Welcome to the Long Hollow Group Leader Podcast. We believe that life change happens best in circles, not rows. And so whether we're talking about your life group, your D group, or your family, this resource exists to help you make disciples that make disciples. This week, we are back with the second episode of the Long Hollow Group Leader Podcast. And so if you haven't heard the first one, you're missing out. Everybody's talking about it, the whole world. Uh, not really. We have like a couple of people in our office that said, well, that's cool. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully a few listeners. But no, we are we are excited for what we're doing with the podcast. Uh, if you missed our intro last week, this podcast is for you as a group leader. So whether you leave a life group or a D group, this podcast is to give you practical tips that you can use this week in your group. And over time, you're just going to have a library of you know, frequently asked questions and tips, things that you can um, implement. So we're not going to just stay at theoretical and concepts. It's going to be practical. You're the target audience in it. And, uh, and we really think this is going to be a helpful tool for you so that you can make disciples that make disciples. Tools for your tool belt. Tools for your tool belt. There you go. Mike Anthony with the wisdom there. <laughs> and uh, so we got some feedback from our first one. We were heard that Mike Anthony has a diabolical laugh. <laughs> there you go. If that, I don't know where they're getting it from. Sounds like a villain. <laughs> and so, and then I was told that I need to tone down my country accent. I told Chris Wayne that that probably was not going to happen. So, yeah. Well, t- what we want to do, we want to go ahead. If you have not subscribed, do that now. Um, subscribe to it while you're listening to this episode. As well as if you have a merging leader in your group, we would encourage you to share this with them. And so th- this is going to be content that they are going to really, it's going to really help them as they think through what would it look like to lead a life group or what it would look like to lead a D group. So share it with emerging leaders, subscribe yourself. And if, again, go back to that first week because we talked about how our life group and D groups work together and why you need both groups. And today we're going to jump into life groups specifically and how to lead a healthy life group. And I love this environment. Again, I said this last week, Mike, I may like the life group as much (laughs) as the D group. Uh, It's vital. So, you know, we call the life group the fishing pond for discipling relationships. So if you don't have a pond, it makes discipleship that much harder. So absolutely. Yeah. We talked about, we, we would say too, that if our life groups don't thrive, our D groups die. Like they are so interlinked in, in the life group and the health of it is so important. So when the life group is healthy, it helps our D groups. It makes our D groups that much more healthy. And uh, so it's, it's huge. And we actually put something in our show notes called the Disciple Making Umbrella. And it gives you an idea of how those two environments, life group and D group, connect. And the life group is this really dynamic environment where you're going to see non-believers in it. You're going to see new believers, mature believers. It really has both evangelism and discipleship components to yeah. it. You know, D groups is just discipleship, just believers. This, it, it's, a, it's a different animal, and that's really what makes it unique, makes it dynamic. Probably why I really get excited about it. A melting pot. A melting pot. There you go. <laughs> Gets a little messy, but that's okay. Oh, it's always messy. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so let's go ahead and jump into that. Um, I'm going to really kick it off with you, Mike. And could you tell us, before we talk about how do you have a healthy life group, how do you lead one? What does a healthy life group look like? If you were to give us a brief summary on that. Well, we have the benefit um, when we're looking at biblical community, we get a very clear picture in Scripture of what it looked like, how it was formed. So Acts 2 is the beginning of the church. 
Peter preaches this amazing sermon. Uh, people respond in droves to the gospel, and then, you know, they've got 3,000 believers, and what do they do? Every preacher loves <laughs> Acts 2. As a guy who is over assimilation, yeah. Acts 2 scares the mess out of me. I like yes. It's a logistical nightmare. It's what do you do with assimilation that Assimilation nightmare, right? So what do you do with 3,000 people right now, right? In Acts 2, at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 42, we get a clear picture of what they did, right? So verse 42 tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Mm-hmm. So right out of the gate, these were kind of these four core values of everything right. they were doing, right? But it also says that they voted themselves, right? So there was an individual responsibility to these things that was being played out in community. So they were doing it together. So we have to do it on our own, but we also have to live it out in community. This is where the life group comes into play. So in the life group environment, we are working towards and growing a devotion to these four things. So scripture, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is yeah. kind of the tenets of what a life group does, right? But when you keep reading on in the passage, um, in the subsequent verses afterwards, we find out the result of their devotion. So we see pictures of unity. It says they were together and held all things in common. They were mm. unified behind what yeah. they were doing. Um, we see pictures of mutual care. It says they sold everything they had and they took care of each other. Yeah. Right? So when you get in a life group, the first thing you got to do is throw everything on eBay and you got to sell <laughs> everything you own and live off a community pot. No, obviously not. <laughs> but it is a picture of the links that they're willing to go to to take care of each other. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then last but not least, in that last verse, it says daily numbers were being added to them, those who were being saved. Mm. There was a missional mindset to that first century community to where when we're talking about the life group as a place for non-believers, new believers, and mature believers, this is a place where mission was happening. And yeah. it wasn't happening, yeah, maybe individually. You know, People had individual responsibility to carry out that mission, but it was happening in the context of community. They yeah. were doing it together, on mission together, living life together. I love you said mission and community together. Like, I mean, other ways it's been said is like it was a family and it was a family business. There yeah. was a, a purpose that they had. You know, it was like a disciple-making team. Yeah. And it definitely was a both and. You know, I think a lot of times we look at Acts 2 and we say, man, look how close <laughs> of a family, how good, how strong the community uh, was. Yeah. Yeah, but there was a strong mission that united them um, in it. And so I love that you yeah. brought out both of those. So in this passage, we see both an inward and an outward impact yeah so inward you know the church was growing they were living in community fellowship with one another all of these things but then also the outward impact was they were constantly bringing new people in uh, as they were sharing their faith so you know that's kind of the what but the question we always have it's like that sounds great but how like how do i actually do that because it sounds really good in theory and it's really great but you know, I have a hard enough time devoting myself to those things. How do I get a group of people to do the exact same thing? Right. Right. Well, and I think Jesus modeled this for us in his ministry. So when we think about how Christ did ministry, um, we have a threefold strategy in our life groups ministry based on that. We call it belong, believe, become. So the killer bees, the killer bees, and we're we love to alliterate, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, so you know, we want our life groups to be a place where people can belong. It's a place where they can feel welcome and accepted, whether they're a believer or not, whether they go to our church or not. This is a place to bring them into biblical right. community, right? Uh, but for Christ, you know, when He invited people to follow Him, 
we view that as him inviting them into the community he was trying to build. That's right. right. But for Christ, that was it wasn't just simply about belonging. It wasn't just simply about being in relationship. It was also so that they would believe in him for who he was, and that's Christ, Lord and Savior of our life, right? So the right. life group needs to be a place where um, people are going to encounter Christ and his word. Scripture is the foundation for everything that we're doing. That's good. And then, But again, that wasn't the end point for Christ. It was also so that they would become disciple makers and we say group multipliers. Right. So the goal for Christ with the disciples was for them to believe in him, but also to carry on the work of ministry after he was no longer here physically to do it, right? So it doesn't stop with just belonging and believing, right? So Pastor Robbie says all the time, you know, salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. Yeah. It's the same thing. So again, we're still... That's a great strategy, right? Yeah. How? How do I do it? It sounds great. It's alliterated. We love it. It's easy to communicate, but how do we do it? Right. Right. So, Vic, I think a question I'd throw back at you, because I know that you have said that you really love the belonging piece of the strategy. It's my favorite. Yeah. So what are some practical ways that you have um, helped people in your group belong? Right. I think the belong piece is huge because it's progressive, right? Belong, believe, become. Um, And so if if people don't feel like they can belong, they're not going to stick around long enough to hear the gospel to believe. And if they don't don't believe, they can't become who God designed them to be, to be disciple makers, group multipliers. And so this belong piece, if you don't get that one right, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be difficult for you to really see growth in your group, both inward and outward impact. Mm -hmm. And so what I would encourage us to do just as we think of practically how to do it is right now, think about someone in your life. Maybe this is a neighbor, a coworker. Think about somebody who does not know Jesus, that doesn't go to church, doesn't have a personal relationship with him. Think about that person. Um, Put a name to it. Think about the struggles that they are having right now. Think about their perceptions to the church. Think about their perspective on faith. Think of, like, put yourself in their shoes and in their lens because that's the first piece. If you want to help someone belong, you got to stop thinking as somebody who's been following Jesus for years and you got to start thinking as somebody who's on the outside. Yeah. And, and I think that's a huge piece to it. And so with that person in your mind, I want to give you a quote and then we'll start and I'll give you a question that you can begin to wrestle with as a group leader. So this belong piece and you're thinking about this person in your life, the most persuasive argument for the Christian life is the Christian community. The majority of conversions throughout the church history have come not through argumentation, but through belonging to a meaningful community before belief is ever required. I that's love good. that quote. That's good. Yeah, that's so that's Todd Engstrom with Austin Stone. And I mean, it is, I love that, is that it's often somebody gets attached to a community where they feel lo- welcomed and accepted and they feel the, the, the Christian faith before they really understand it and yeah. can articulate it. Especially with non-believers, they've got to know that you care before they care right. about anything you're telling them. Right. <laughs> what often happens is that yeah. community it sparks the interest that then moves the person to seeking um, their faith, seeking understanding in it, and then ultimately trusting in Christ. And so this belong piece is huge. So you have this person, this neighbor, this coworker, you've got the name to them. Um, this is a question that I would, I would tell you to put to the forefront of your mind and 
with everything that you think through, our flow of our meeting, um, the topics that we have, the type of conversation that we have, this question should drive your decision making. Yeah. And so this question is, how can our life group be a place where people can come just as they are and meet Jesus just as he is? That's good. I mean, this. so this just as they are piece is the belonging piece. It's like, hey, it's, it leads with grace. It says, come with whatever baggage you have, whatever issues you have. We know that you're in a, you're in a messy relationship. We know that you're struggling with addiction. We know that you have these doubts in your faith. Come with it. You're, you can come just as you are. But then what I love is we're not watering down the gospel. Right. We that because we're teaching them Jesus just as he is. We want you to meet Jesus just as he is. And we know when that happens, he's going to then take whatever mess you have in your life and he's going to clean it up and he's going to move you to a place of belief and to a place of become. So that question, how can we provide a place where your people can come just as they are to meet Jesus just as he is, is huge. Yeah. So how does that question impact practically my group? Um, so a couple of things for me as a group leader, how this has shaped it. Um, I always do food and fellowship on the front end. It's absolutely vital. It is it vital. It really is. <laughs> it is vital, man. It, yeah. it, you do it, that food and fellowship, when people come in, it allows them to just like, you can kind of slowly get in, you can get food, you get to meet some of the people. It's if, just very non-threatening. If there's an awkward silence, you can throw a chip in your mouth or drink some of That's that so iced true. tea or you know, something to where to break up some of that awkward silence. Yeah, it's 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 vital to have that on the front end. Yeah, so I do food and fellowship. Um, our discussion, once we move to discussion, for, for me, my discussion is always going to be focused on more application than information. And so what I mean by that is I've been in those groups, and you probably have too, where it's, hey, we're going to go through an intensive 47-week study through... <laughs> the book of Revelation. Yes, through <laughs> Revelation. And you're like, oh my gosh. And what yeah. happens is it attract. Think of who does that study attract? Mature believers that are wanting to find theological nuggets. Insiders. Insiders. But it does not attract an outsider. It's not relevant to the outsider's life. I don't see how that's important. It does not help me see, like, a lot of that stuff, it's, yeah, it's for mature believers, not the outsider. Right. And so the thing is, when it's when your discussion is all about information, it's about what you bring to the discussion application is it's what you take from the discussion and so information if i come in as an outsider and you're doing that book on revelation i'm immediately intimidated by the amount of knowledge that you have i don't have that knowledge i feel now like an outsider excluded that's not a type of group for me it builds a barrier for them to participate it really does it really does and so then but application everybody has a plus one step that they can take where are you in life and what would be a plus one step what would be the next step for you coming out of this Mm -hmm. and somebody who's been following jesus for years or is just seeking him can take a, a progressive step forward and so an application one and then um, we do partying once a month. We did the hangout nights, and I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, and so when you do that— All work and no play, right? That's right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think to have fun together and to use those grill outs to go to top golf, to do whatever it is. Now, again, think of the outsider. Think of your neighbor. If your fun night is Bible trivia— <laughs> And you don't have any non-believers that come to your group. Yeah. I, I, there's a reason. And so, think through what would a non-believer want to do, and have a hangout night, and let them come in and experience the community where belonging is then going to precede belief. 
Right. And so those would be just some practical tips. But again, bring it back to the question that then drives what you do. How can we provide a place where people can come just as they are to meet Jesus just as he is? Yeah. So that would be just, I mean, I could go all day. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you don't have much more time for your questions, but here we go. We'll go quick with them. No, uh, what are some practical ways, uh, Mike, that you would say that you can help people believe um, through encountering Christ and his word? Well, I think this is this is essentially what we're trying to accomplish with the sermon-based curriculum, right? And, you know, Sermon-based curriculum might not be the best description of what it is. It's it's text-based yes, curriculum. So as we're unpacking the passage of Scripture that Pastor Robbie has preached on Sunday morning, the curriculum's designed around the passage, not necessarily his message, mm. right? So the idea is to get people discussing the passage. So the questions that we're writing are getting people to dive back into the passage. But yeah. again, some of it is information because some of that stuff's necessary on the front end, but it's always trying to land that plane at application because yeah. you know, Pastor Robbie's done all the heavy lifting for us. Sure. He has exposited the passage in the way that he does that is, you know, we love it and it's awesome. But the life group is a place for people to actually do something with the information. Mm, like, okay, so that was a great message, Pastor Robin. We love you for it, but what am I going to do with this information? And yeah. like Acts 2, we're doing that in the context of community. So Scripture is driving everything that we do. But kind of like along the lines of what you were just talking about, it's not another lecture. It's not another sermon. It's not me talking. If me as the leader is talking the entire time, I'm doing it wrong. That's so true. Right? So a lot of the ways I like to describe it to leaders is you are teaching, but you're teaching through asking questions. Yeah. Because when you allow people the time to get to the the right conclusion on their own, it sticks. Right? So we're leading them through a process of discovery, but it is scripture that has to be the foundation because it's the only thing that has the power to transform our lives yeah no that's so good i think that's a a big piece and i would say you talked about it's it's more text than sermon yeah a simple way that the thing that i changed when i introduced the topic i i don't say hey so from the sermon today (laughs) what what did you like yeah and and that's really good if you have all insiders but if i didn't go to church on sunday or if i'm an outsider you've now excluded me from the conversation. Yeah, I'm going to instead say, hey, we're going to look at this passage. We talked about it on Sunday morning, so you kind of have some cheat notes. But if you missed <laughs> yeah, one it, up. that's okay. Yeah, you know, like, hey, some of you maybe are more exposed to it, yeah. but it's really we're talking about a text, not a passage. I yeah, really like that. Absolutely. Well, what about the become piece to it? So it, belong, believe, how do we practically help people become disciple makers and group multipliers? Well, this is really the... This is really the trick. Everything we have talked about up until this point is pretty easy. Mm. You know, and if you think yeah. about it, you know, when I can be welcoming and accepted. Yeah, we can dig into some scripture and talk about application. You know, easy is probably not the right term, but um, that stuff is manageable, right? So when we're talking about becoming, now we're trying to lead people to do what we're doing. And that's not always easy. So, First thing is identifying who in your group do you believe has the potential to go on and lead, right? Because yeah. the goal is becoming, so we want them to become group multipliers and disciple makers themselves. That's right. So who in this group am I going to disciple myself, right? So I'm leading the life group. 
But as I'm leading that life group, I'm looking for people in that group that I'm going to invite into that discipling relationship, mm. right? This is my leadership development plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. spend more time with these. And it's the same thing Jesus did, right? He had the 12, but there was there were specific times where he spent more intentional time with the three. Right. So we're looking for men and women of faith, right? So another acronym. We love acronyms. We love them. Right? So people that are faithful, available, uh, intentional, they're teachable, and they're hungry, right? So do they actually want to do this? Yeah. And it's not something that we're trying to force people into or drag people into, because I, I think the the language that uh, I've heard Pastor Robbie use before is, you know, if you've got to drag them into it, you're going to have to drag them along the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's never going to work. They have yep. to want to do it. Um, and this is also how they're going to start sharing ownership within the group. So we tell yeah. our leaders all the time, just because you're leading doesn't mean you have to do everything. Yeah. So you have to share that responsibility within the group. Don't hoard it. Yeah, it's good. If you're hoarding it, if you're doing everything, if you're doing all the talking, if you're doing all these things, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's just as plain as that. We have to pull people into it because we're talking about community. Right. Not, uh, well, I can't think of a clever term. Me doing everything is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go with that. Um, You have to, the discipling relationship is how we take it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And that's really where you begin to link it into the D group. Mm-hmm. And that's why we say if you're not if you're looking to get in a D group, whose life group are you in? Exactly. And you start there and and as they are faithful in that environment, you then respond to that faithfulness by saying, Hey, what if would you join my D group? And there is really, like you said, I love it, leadership development yep. for multiplying a group or make whether it be a D group or a life group in the future. And so. Well, on that note then, Vic, how do we have a healthy D group? Mm, and we'll stop there and we'll say <laughs> that for the next week. And so next week we are, we're going to move into how do you lead a healthy D group? We are going to finish, as Mike called it, our introduction chapter yes. to the podcast. So this is going to give you the bird's eye view, the vision, and then we're going to jump in to frequently ask questions. We have another two weeks to think through what is going to be that clever name for that series. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. But we're going to talk about the questions that everybody has, and we're going to make it practical and simple on how you can apply them. So we hope you have a great week, and join us next week. Share this, subscribe if you haven't, and share it with an emerging leader in your group. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.